0: Let's get started.
1: Hey guys, welcome to Dr. Marketing Tips. This is Jennifer.
0: And
2: Corey.
1: And today we're going to talk about um, kind of an article that recently ran, a story that ran on NPR, and it was entitled, Why Your Doctor Won't Friend You on Facebook.
2: Yeah, I was taking that really personal. I've reached out to a couple of doctors that we have, and nobody wants to be my friend.
1: No, mine Uh, (laughs) either.
2: But um, really, so what it comes down to, and we'll discuss this a little bit more as we move forward, but should your practice kind of be on Facebook and and who should be responsible for your Facebook? And and we see that doctors typically sort of draw the line between the personal and the professional pages, and you really can't blame them for that.
1: No, and um, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists published a new social media set of guidelines this year. And um, ultimately, they declined to advise members against becoming Facebook friends, um, instead leaving it up to the physicians to decide on their own. Yeah,
2: I think that makes sense, too, because ultimately, you know, it's just like your personal Facebook profile. You know, you decide who you want to be friends with at the office and who you don't. And, you know, it's a matter of that kind of personal professional relationship and how close you are with the physician and all that other good stuff.
1: So, ACOG, which is the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, literally said that some physicians are reluctant to engage in online communications with their patients or their communities because of concerns about liability and privacy privacy laws. To date, little precedent exists in this area and potential exposure to liability and negative repercussions from the use of social media can occur. So the committee opinion actually considered potential risk factors with the use of digital and social media technologies and precautions that have been taken and can be taken against liability. And that's what led to them ultimately saying, look, we're not going to tell you what you need to do to their doctors. We're going to leave it up to you to figure it out yourself.
2: Yeah, and, and I think that's smart because you really can't kind of legislate those things at the end of the day because that's what makes social media exactly what it is. It's social and it's personal if you want it to be. If you don't want it to be, then you separate those communities and um, you, know, you, you kind of go that route. So um, one thing that I thought was interesting in this article was it said that the American Medical Association Um, It actually noted that social media can be a valuable way to spread health information, but it urged doctors in its 2010 guidelines to separate their personal and professional online identities to, quote, maintain professional boundaries.
1: Yeah, I find it interesting that we're talking about social media guidelines that are five years old when a lot of these social media channels didn't even exist back then.
2: True, but I think the, the whole idea of maintaining these boundaries still kind of makes sense in in, regardless of, of what channel you're on obviously some of the newer ones they're they're so personal and just not really formed and ready for businesses so I think that's why these guidelines can still sort of make sense.
1: Well, and I think that ultimately if you use common sense and a common sense approach to your social media, look, you don't do anything on social media that you wouldn't do in your office. So you you don't violate HIPAA procedures. You don't, you know, oust a patient um, for having a procedure done. (laughs) You don't put photos on social media that you wouldn't share willingly at your office. It's sometimes just a common sense. So maybe you're right. Maybe, you know, what applies in 2010 still applies in
2: 2015. Yeah, and I I think it'll still apply in, in 2020. And so on. And, and like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head. If you're not comfortable doing it, then you just don't do it. So, if, if a patient, for instance, um, writes a message on a wall and says, Hi, my name is John Smith and my elbow really hurts, could I get a refill of this prescription? Well, obviously, you're not going to answer him on Facebook. I mean, you, you know that. Nothing, nothing needs to tell you that.
1: Interesting, though, that you use an example of an online review because in 2010, I'm not sure that Facebook was actively engaging in online reviews five years ago, almost six years ago.
2: Sure. Well, I mean, even if it's a, let's say it's a, a wall post or something like that, like you still, I mean, just common sense would say, well, I'm not going to answer that. Why don't we just say, why don't you call and we'll work this out, you know? And I, I think that's why these organizations can get away with saying it's ultimately up to kind of the the end user. And that's why, again, bringing up the, the whole patient idea, it's kind of important to be on these social networks um, I would say, if anything, you should be on Facebook.
1: Yeah, I, I would say that too. And it's interesting, I think that NPR, um, who is world renowned for the kind of content they put out, are being very specific to focus on Facebook only. They're not talking about Twitter, they're not talking about Instagram. They're certainly not talking about Snapchat. Um, and we're we're honestly not talking about Snapchat when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to um, when it comes to medical practices. So, Corey, why are they focusing so specifically on Facebook?
2: Well, with, without a doubt, Facebook has by far the most active monthly users, and just social media as a whole, I mean, it, it's incredible where it's come just in the past five, ten years. Um, I, I saw this uh, stat that I wanted to bring up from a company called We Are Social. So there's 7.21 billion people on the planet, right? So in January 2015, a little over 2 billion of those were categorized as having active social media accounts which means that's 29% of the population of the entire world somewhere is online and most of these people have a Facebook account
1: that's a staggering statistic it is right <laughs> staggering because I, I know so. that we've talked about you know if face, if facebook were a uh, a country, it would be something like the within the top five countries from mm-hmm. a population standpoint. But to put it that way, you know, in worldwide usage, and as the internet becomes more available, especially in some of the poorer countries or harder to reach countries, um, we're just going to see that number go up and up. So Zach Berger and a. Assistant professor, p- professor of medicine at the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine who studies patient-doctor relationships and social media says that finding ways to use Facebook and other forms of social media to connect with patients, even if it may be through professional pages only, fits a trend in which patients seek more equal footing with their doctors.
2: Well, and again, that's the thing about it being, quote unquote, social Media, you know, where I think if you go back, you know, a decade or so, the doctor was still sort of viewed like they're on a pedestal, sort of, you know, and they're hard to get a hold of, and they're this great big figure up here, and and they're so knowledgeable and this and that. But you know, if you can connect with them on Facebook, well, then they're just your neighbor down the street.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a good way to say it. And I also think that when we're when we're talking about the patient physician relationship through social media, what we're actually talking about is the customer service relationship uh, between the patient and the practice. And so I think that's part of the reason why doctors sometimes don't get on Facebook and don't share their personal pages with patients is because they don't want to get into the habit of having to be in off work hours or not in front of an actual case um, and being out there giving, yeah. ad- just giving advice, but just being accessible. And I'm um, like, like the acog said setting themselves up to potential liability it's just it's too much to handle sometimes and and that's why you know doctors draw the line between the personal facebook page and the professional one
2: yeah and i think you can also draw a parallel to just you know any sort of business i mean sometimes you know the head of a company they' you know it's the same thing they're not going to want to put their personal stuff out there because they don't want to be reached after hours and that's perfectly okay i think um and, and it's interesting that you, you mentioned how patients kind of view this whole relationship between the the practice and, and the doctor. And I want to bring up a quote from uh, James Colbert. He was a hospitalist at the uh, Mass- Massachusetts-based Newton Wesley Hospital, and he described um, basically the, the consumer approach to medicine where there's this notion that patients should be able to reach their physician at all hours. And I, I think, you know, as a typical patient they're starting to think in terms of practices as you know just like they see other businesses and brands and they can reach them when they have a customer service issue at any point so why can't you do the same thing with your health?
1: that just blows me away that we would have that our mentality would change so quick over the last couple of years and we see it each and every day because some of the clients that we work with we manage all of their social media accounts and um Quite often, we'll go on to respond to a post or a review from a patient. And we have to tell them, look, you can contact our office during regular business hours. And sometimes you really just have to continue drawing that line. But um, I agree with you that more and more as consumers, we expect things immediately and we expect an immediate response. And if we don't get it, then we go even go even more postal and go negative (laughs) out there and and start just posting everywhere. So it's just a fine line um, for practices and interaction with patients
2: yeah, and it's all about that instant gratification. I think that that's something that's becoming more and more um, you know common in in our society. and in part, thanks to, you know, those little computers that we hold and that sometimes make phone calls now, like everything needs to happen right away and it can because it's in your pocket. And this is something that we're seeing as kind of a result of that.
1: absolutely. So um, the Journal of General Internal Medicine produced a study recently that says that, Almost 20% of patient respondents reported to trying to contact their doctors through Facebook, while almost 40% are trying to contact their physicians through email. So I think that this, um, this begs a takeaway here. So should your practice be on social media, specifically Facebook?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think if you're going to be anywhere in the social space, it makes the most sense to be on Facebook, not only because that's where the patients are going to be, but it, it, it's also one of the easiest entry points to kind of get into social media and understand, you know, what you're doing and how to connect and, and talk to these folks. And um, just real quick, I wanted to back up and, and talk about the 20% of patients responding, you know, trying to get in touch mm-hmm. through social media. We see that all the time. Yeah, and it, 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 it's incredible the, the just trust that patients have. Um, in in your practice and in these accounts because they'll send yeah it's a private message, but you know they ha- honestly have no idea who's on the other side checking that account and you know that could be an intern in some cases, not saying that it should be but they're they're laying out all of their health problems and they have little concern for their privacy in that moment but it's interesting because if something were to ever come up, then the practice would still be at fault, you know, even even if the patient just blurted out all of this stuff on on Facebook. So, in, in a private message, of course, I'm talking about. So,
1: so Corey, do you find because you manage a lot of these social media accounts, or at least um, kind of make sure that you have a finger on the pulse of what's going yeah. on? Do you find that most inquiries through social media are specific, specifically directed towards the physician, or specifically directed towards a question from the, for the practice?
2: Um, I would say it's a pretty good mix. Uh, Sometimes it's something as simple as, you know, I can't make my appointment on Tuesday. Can we move it?
1: And they do this through Facebook, which just right. kills me.
2: Yeah, it, yeah. or sometimes it's like, I this thing is like pussing and it's, uh-huh, it that. hurts and like, what do I do? Can we get a hold of Dr. So-and-so, have him call me here or something like that? So it, it kind of depends, but at the end of the day, I think the, the response is always the same and it, it should be something to the effect of, you know, thanks for reaching out give our office a call and we can discuss this and that way you know you don't have to worry about violating any sort of HIPAA law as far as the practice is concerned um, because you're going through all the proper communication channels you're not putting anything out there publicly or um, anything that's identifiable
1: all right so Corey if if you've got for our listeners if we have some folks that are interested in getting on Facebook for some reason they're not there now um, do you have any tips that you can offer for doing this the right way
2: Yeah, I think if you're going to do it, the first thing that you should do is, um, whether you're an avid Facebook user or not, is just get on Facebook, on your personal profile. If you don't have one, create one. And just kind of dive in to get used to what you're going to be up against, essentially. And then once you're comfortable with that, go ahead and take a look at what some of your competitors are doing, maybe some bigger hospital systems, because typically they have entire social media like teams and armies that are doing these things and graphic designers, and you, know, you can get a lot of great ideas from them, any sort of national organizations for your subspecialty. Um, they are doing things right, typically, for the most part. So if you have little to no experience, that is a great place to kind of get your bearings. And then I would also say if you do not have a social media platform, policy you're going to want to create one and this can include everything from you know what graphics to use to how you respond to a complaint to uh, who gets a a patient inquiry to um, who's going to monitor the page and make sure that that the pictures are correct and the captions are right and um, you know it it kind of it it can be as um, specific or as broad as you want it to be but there should be something that kind of acts as a almost a rule book.
1: I would say, um, as part of that policy, before you even get started too far down the rabbit hole, is to find out, assign a person who's going to be responsible for your social media. Ultimately responsible. It doesn't need to be the CEO, but it certainly should not be an intern or somebody low level. You want to assign responsibility to your social media um, to the same type of person that you would assign to um, head up a... Segment of your customer service. So when you have a patient that calls into the practice practice and has a complaint, you want somebody that's of a similar caliber um, from an employee standpoint that can answer questions and that is knowledgeable and somebody that's going to be thorough in their work. You don't want it somebody straight off straight out of high school.
2: Yeah, definitely. And I I think that goes for you know the people that are listening to this now. You may not be the person that deals with the social media every day, and that's perfectly fine, but. You can't turn a blind eye to it either. You can't say, well, yeah, we're on Facebook, but so-and-so handles that. I don't deal with it because I don't understand it and I don't want to know about it. Because that's how you get yourself into trouble. So even if you're not dealing with it every single day, you at least need to understand how it works, why it works, and and what happens when there's an issue.
1: What type of, um, what type of post would you suggest for a practice that's just getting started and needs to start putting their content calendar together? You know, do they do they keep it light and fun and friendly do they get professional do they only you know put up information about their doctors you know yeah. what kind of balance are you talking about here
2: well i mean it kind of part of it depends on the practice voice itself you know if everything you've ever printed or any type of ad you've ever run if if you're very serious well then you want to maintain that voice on on uh, your social media channels. If you like to have a little fun, put in a pun on your ads and things like that. Well, then you obviously want to carry that over as well. And as far as what you should actually start posting, I think it it makes sense to start with the things that you know. Cuz remember that you are an expert in this in the field that you're in in the, in the specialty that you're in, and that's why people are going to pay attention to you. So if you have no idea what to start posting, um, let's say you're a, a pediatric practice. Then start posting facts and statistics about about common illnesses in kids. You know things like that. Come up with a couple of top five lists. Share some facts about your doctors. And before you know it, you've got you know a couple months worth of content.
1: Yeah, and then use your analytics, your Facebook analytics, see to see works. what yeah. what works and what doesn't, what engages your audience, and and that'll that'll get you started on the right on the right foot.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to you know you you want to keep everything like I said within that voice of what you have. Um, It it doesn't make sense to all of a sudden, you know, share something maybe from, let's let's say a, a local chamber or event or something like that, if you don't do those things, because it comes out of left field. So you want to make sure that everything that you're doing on your practice page kind of um is all part of your overall brand
1: yeah because you're telling a story Mm -hmm. and it's it's somewhat of an informal story but you're telling Mm -hmm. a story and you're building a relationship with these potential patients and these folks that are on social media do become your brand advocates so um final takeaway Corey, if you had one more thing
2: uh get on facebook right now if you are not already And, and and also don't be upset when your doctor doesn't friend you (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah. Don't be upset when your doctor doesn't friend you. So I think that's probably about it for today. Hopefully you guys learned a little bit of something and we gave you some good ideas. But, you know, like Corey said, don't be offended if your doctor doesn't friend you on Facebook and um, just keep plugging away because at the end of the day, it will drive active engagement on social media will drive more patients to your practice
2: definitely and if you have not followed our page and become our followers and our friends and we welcome you to do so we'd be happy to have you on board for the doctor marketing tips team
1: yes we will friend you back and we will interact with you each and every day
2: (laughs) with that said thank you guys for listening we'll catch you next time